Oh, a finish from Lita here to the box. Lotta, will he go for goal? Goes for goal. Here it is! Welcome to the Bees Analytica podcast. Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of the Bees Analytica podcast. On this week, me and the guys are going to do a bit of a mid-season review, going through the 24 teams, where we think they could strengthen in January, how they've done so far, and a standout player. On this week's episode, I have Alfie, Andy and James with me to discuss through the, this week. How are we doing, gents? We all have a good Christmas and New Year? Yeah, good, thanks. You? Yeah. Yeah, oh, good Christmas. It's one of them weird ones, isn't it? We haven't been able really to do much because of the lockdown, but it's been nice just to settle down for a few weeks and calm, but we're back on it this week. So first of all, we're going to start off with Wickham Wanderers and go through their start to the season, who I think we can all agree are probably in the position we thought they would be come the start of the season. They've picked up 15 points so far this season and four points away from safety. So just nothing more can be said, really, that they're at where we expect them to be, aren't they? Yeah, they're in the hunt for survival, which is exactly where they would have wanted to be at this stage of the season. As as sad as it is, I bet they're actually probably better off than I would have imagined at this stage of the season in terms of only four points from safety. I would have expected it to be a lot bigger gap than that. But yeah, they, they are where they are because they're by far the smallest club in this league. They don't have the resources. They're quite fortunate. It's such a poor league this year. There really yeah. is five or six teams that could genuinely go down, and they're just one of the one of the options. But you know, they're, they're in there. They're in there with a fighting chance, and that's all their fans wanted. Come up and put up a fight. That's... Yeah, they remind me of Luton last year. Luton were especially poor, and then went because obviously after lockdown they went on some form of miracle run and managed to claw themselves out of it. And now look at them, they've done really well under Nathan Jones and clawed back up. But I just think Wickham are just so unfortunate this year. The, the game's come so thick and fast. There is no time to reset and take a break and get yourself back and, and also, get a run. Maybe their squad size, because with the games and the injuries and the rotation you need, they don't have the best squad depth. And that is probably another factor. Yeah, no feeds into that. No fans at Adams Park. That's got to have some sort of effect. Yeah. But you'd think they'd give them a boost in the last few minutes of matches. Yeah. To get them over the line. Well, sort of like what Burton Albion's home crowd used to do, where they, where they suck the ball act, in sometimes. They would act as like a 12th man that they really did need when they were in this league. Definitely. Alf, who's caught your eye for Wickham so far this season then? Like, any surprise in, packages? Um, surprise package? I'm very happy about it. But Gareth McCleary is a free transfer. I mean, he, don't get me wrong, he hasn't propelled them to new levels, but he's exactly what Wickham need. He's a quick winger, beats his man and puts a ball in the box. That's exactly what they need. And I've really been impressed with him. But in terms of star player, I think I really like Scott Caskin. He's works hard. You'll never see him moaning about having to track back or you'll never see him let a man go. So, uh, for me, I think he's been enjoyable to watch and a surprise package. Are we in agreement with that, boys? Or I know I, Andy might have different names on this list. I, I I also have McCleary down because, as Alfie has said, the, it's invaluable at their level to have someone who can whip such a good ball into the box so consistently. And also, his ability from outside the box as well. If yeah. he can just take a shot from an 
from an angle where there's maybe not a pass or maybe there's nothing really going for him. He can just shoot and, you know, he's got a good chance with his ability of finding the top corner. So that is, again, something else that they are very in need of. But mm. I did put down Jacobson purely because of he's captain and I think he's so important to them as a, on the defensive side of it. Yeah, especially in, especially in a, in a league where maybe they're maybe they're uh, in in a league with a lot of big hitters that they're not at the level to deal with. Having someone of his experience just coaching some of their defenders who may not have played against such high quality attackers before, I think is invaluable. And his set piece as well. When you've got a dead ball like that, yeah. you've got a chance when you're Wickham. When you've got a corner taker or a free kick taker as good as him, it's yeah, he's a very good player. Is it two or three times now that he's scored from a corner this year? Or been close to it and then subjectively like been ruled year. out? Yeah, last year he scored two direct corners. Which so, he's been there a long time now, hasn't he, as well? Though. Yeah. That's like his 10th or 11th season with the club. Yeah, he's been there and a long, long Yeah, he's... Well, you see the number of corner goals Wickham score. So it's... Uh... It's what I think is good about Wickham is they've, they've got a lot of players in that know what they're doing. McCleary's another one that they know their role. In the championship so long, especially the last few years with Reading being yeah. down the wrong end of the table, he knows what is needed to just keep your head above water, which is all Wickham are asking for this year. And I think the experience of him, players like Jacobson, Akinfenwa, Matt Bloomfield, they you know they they know what's needed to to win football matches, and yeah. um, I think they got a good blend. Yeah, I was going to bring up Akinfenwa as most surprised player for them. So like statistically, I've brought it up on the account a few times. His XG, I think it's at like five or five point five six this season, which is ridiculous for a player that's still scored a goal at this level. Obviously, you can attribute it down to a bit of poor finishing, better goalkeepers, and the limited chances. But it's just surprised me. And teams just seem to have panicked with him and don't know how to deal with it. I think it was Swansea. He had thirty-eight aerial duels, one out of fifty, like in one game, which is ridiculous. I for a, guess for a forward, maybe that's because how many forwards do you see that are built like Akin Fenwar? <laughs> he is, he he is a. I, there's, I can't think of anyone that is anywhere near his build or his skill set. It's not something you face every week. No, an absolute enigma of a player, I would say, is probably the best way. Yeah, his XG for the season is four point naught five, and still not scored, which is ridiculous when you look at some of the locations he's had shots in. He's a one shot outside the box and maybe two or three outside that pom zone we have spoken about before and still not scored which <laughs> so they're creating chances it just doesn't help when your striker up there is a 37 year old Akin Fenoir who this is I think this is the first time he's played at this level or second time yeah, yeah. in his career well I think it comes back to Ainsworth has said time and time again this season about what lets them down it's not that they're getting outplayed it's that Good teams take their chances, mm. especially at this level. Every team, if you give them a chance, they're going to score. And Wickham yeah. aren't doing that. But then if you're Wickham Which and is... looking at those numbers, there is, there's hope. It's not like they're dead and buried. With no. numbers like those, they are... If you bring in a striker that's used to this level and you give him those chances, then he'll put them away. That's the yeah, I, th I think that is just what they're missing. Do they have the budget for it, though, unfortunately? A, a, a forward who is adept at this championship level. I thought they level. with um, Harry Robson Carney, which I think would be an I incredible bit of business. That. Because at yeah. this level, he's still, you know, he's a bit of a donkey at Reading, but he had his moments where his finishing was second to none at, and at I, the club for some years. 
I think he, he yeah, he, he knows what it takes to score goals in the championship. He's done it with Reading and West Brom. Mm. So he's... But yeah, it he, comes down he, to budget again. And ultimately, if they've got enough to, to bring, to draw those players in. Yeah, I think there's enough there. If they can string a few results together, they might surprise a few. If they stage a, an escape, they've done it before in League Two. They've done it in League One. Can Gareth Ainsworth get that magic going again and get them up, propel them up the league table? I, I hope think... so. It's a story. It's a nice yeah. story. We'll move up onto the table then into Rotherham. Now I'll open the discussion up here. The one that surprised me is Daniel Barcelosa. I can't say his name, but currently their central midfielder. Really, really good this year. Like, really good ball winner, really good playmaker, just up and down the pitch. I've really liked him. Coming in from Newcastle. I think... He's a 23 year old, isn't he? He is, yeah. It was... Yeah, he's impressed me for how young he is and how he has performed. He, he's impressed me as well. I think it's just kind of what you need in a midfielder an all round good at everything. You can yeah. just sit, pick, pick it up, playmaker. I mean, they've been a bit unfortunate this year and I feel sorry for Paul Warner, especially because he's had a few issues with COVID in the squad. Injuries have stacked up again. But they're just, again, in that same boat as Wickham, not good enough to really push on with the budget and the finances and then to compete with the top end of the table or yeah. even survive. Yeah, just, but, and Which is a shame. I th yeah, I think the budget for them is what shot them in the foot because... It, it, what they've done time and time again when they've kept coming up to this level is they don't have the ability to strengthen their squad, which means they're always likely to go down because they're effectively just a good, very good League One team. That is what Rotherham are. But they, they, they've sold players, good players. Where, where's the money that they're... Why yeah. can't they reinvest? I mean, Will Volks off to Cardiff. Semi-Jai. Yeah. Where you know, where's the, the reinvestment in the squad? They've, it's not any better. The Hickway will no doubt go either at the end of this year or in January for a reasonable amount of money. But if you're those players, you're not going to want to stay at Rotherham that are yo-yoing between the Championship and League One, are you? No, but so, someone's yeah. got to be able to bring in to, you know, they, they need the investment to become a, a steady Championship club. That just that won't just happen. And I agree, but I, I try and you know entice those players to I come think, and stay in to make them that force. I, I, I think for Rotherham, they were probably. Not to the same extent as Wickham, but they were probably coming up with similar ambitions to Wickham. If we can just stay in the league the first season, who knows what we're capable on if, of if we can push on from there. Yeah, I think they expected to be probably where they are now at this stage of the season. Yeah, it's... I, I, the big concern with me is their, their expansiveness in the defensive side. They've got the mm. lowest passes per defensive action in the league by country mile. But, so they're at 7.97 compared to Bournemouth who are at 8.76. So nearly a whole pass less. So with yeah, being I... that intense in your press, it just leaves holes. And yeah, we yeah, know we praise Barnsley and teams that play this high pressing game, but we've mentioned it with the schedule is a nightmare. Trying to play this yeah. style of brand of football for forty six games, and yeah, then it's... especially the holes it leaves. It's, I but think when you get it right, you get it right. Uh... I'd rather teams do that than sit behind a bull, personally. I, I think it makes for a great game. I, 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 as I said, when it goes right, you know, they do look a half-decent outfit. The, the difficulty is there's no sort of middle ground when you play like that. It either goes really well when that's it works, the... or when it mm -hmm. doesn't work, that's the sort of games you can lose 2-3-4-0 yeah. because you leave yourself so open at the back. The thing, the that face, they've conceded nearly got... two goals a game consistently, or one-and-a-half goal 
goals a game consistently. They can see they over ten shots. They are quite a young, youngish side. They do have quite a few. And they've 23, got three, twenty-fours, twenty-fives in their squad, don't they? So, they've still, and they've got a handful of players, four or five of them, that are still experiencing their first season at this level. Yeah. And when you throw that in, a lot of players who have never, like Wickham, a lot of players who have never reached this level before, yeah, is probably due to a little bit of lack of quality, Rotherham. Yeah, they are pretty much bang average is... for age, by the way. They are twenty-six point three, and the average is twenty-six point three. So they're bang average on the age scale, but that is thrown off a bit by Barnsley being the youngest and then Birmingham at the top end. So yeah. make of it what you will. So James, we'll come to you. And Who's impressed you from Rotherham this season then? Who've, who've you looked at and thought, I would have them if I could? Yeah, I've, I've echoed your thoughts with Dan Barcelor. But um, Freddie, Freddie Ladapo has also quite impressed me. Ladapo has impressed me. He's, he's not played at this level before. But he's got four, four goal contributions so far this season, which their top scorer has got five. So, um, you know, he's not far off. He's just a big, big target man. But he's got quick feet. He'll he'll get goals at this level if you can feed him. Yeah. Okay, yeah, interesting. I've not seen much of him this season, to be fair. I I, I had I remember him. Plymouth a few years ago as well, and he always caught my eye. Him and their their other forward, Michael Smith, written down as well. Hmm. He's exactly what Rotherham need because teams like Rotherham who don't have much of the ball need a, when they do get it, they need a, a centre to play off of and he is exactly that. He's a great at holding up the ball. He's, uh, he's, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's a good striker at this level and at League One level, which is good for them if they do go straight back down at least they've got a good striker for next season if they can keep him yeah That's, i've got uh... the other side of the pitch to you andy i went for their big center half michael Iwenekiwe or whatever his name is hickway yeah i really yeah. like him he dominates strikers in the air he's a big presence i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he's up there with some of the most aerial jewels one per game i don't know if jake can check that but I we'll would... have a look for you. <laughs> when i did watch barn uh Rotherham with him. I, I really like him. I, I don't know about you, but he sort of reminds me of someone built in the mould of Semi Ajayi, who yeah. they have let go recently. He yeah, seems to have a lot of the positives. each other. A lot, yeah, of the posi- a lot of the positives about Ajayi seem to be present in Hekwe as well. The... That's interesting that Rotherham, again, they're falling to that bracket. If they can stay up, it's, it's a blessing. Yeah. If they don't, then it's go again and rebuild. At what point, though, do they say enough with Paul Warner and say we need to now try and solidify ourselves because it's just costing us a fortune? Yeah. Well, at what point do you then have to make the gamble and try and try mm. and consolidate? And unless you're okay with being a yo-yo club and literally going up and going down because you're not spending anything, mm. or do you want a bit more and do you want to hedge your bets maybe and spend a bit more with the hope that you earn a bit more by staying up? Mm, yeah, I, I, I think it is about are they willing to make that gamble? Because if they're not, they're never going to change from what they are now. Which they um, might be content with, you know. Yeah, well, with, it might with, just be without, fine for the club. Without without being in the Rotherham boardroom, I wouldn't know what they're fine with. But I think, yeah, if, 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 if you get frustrated, if you're not really yeah. 
going anywhere. If, if you were a Rotherham fan, you'd be screaming out for something to be done to get them away from what they currently are. What would you rather a football is... club come the end of the day? If they overextend and overspend, would you rather just have a football club? Uh, yeah, but that, that, I get the impression Rotherham are probably content with what they do. Championship, scrap to stay up. If you go down, then you just you just have a good League One season next year and pretty much guaranteed promotion from the beginning. But there's been plenty That's... of other clubs that have come up from League One, not spent anything and still consolidated themselves. So what's going wrong at the yeah. club? Not not maybe being... A I mean, it, 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 it can be done. You don't have to come up from League One and spend and you can still stay here. But it's... it's like the Preston and Bristol City when they first came up. I don't remember any of them breaking the bank. Bristol spent a lot of money and have done. They have spent a fortune. No. Yeah, a lot of the, the money on, on the kind of backgroundy stuff. And the playing and squad. You yeah. look at players like Kalas has cost them a fortune. Yeah, now, but I mean, like five years ago when they first came up, when they had like Kieran Agard up front and Corey Smith, who was who's just left this year, they they weren't playing signing the players that they're signing now. The same with Preston. I don't remember them breaking the bank to sign anybody big. Well, I mean, again, if that's what they're comfortable doing, then, then that's that's fair enough, and that's you know, I just people at the club will know. But I just I think I'd be frustrated if I just kept going up and down. Ultimately, for Rotherham, they just got to. Yeah, it, I think they go about football the right way. At least you'd rather Rotherham come up and at least try to contribute something different to the league than come up and deploy the sort of typical approach of sitting behind the ball and being one of the least attractive sides you could ever wish to watch. You'd rather they tried to at least make it entertaining. That's... Alright, we'll move this up, this conversation on because we could talk for hours on most of these teams to be fair. But we'll move it on to probably, for me, the biggest surprise package for being down the bottom end this season. It's Derby Bloody County. We've had I, I... 11 points, one win on before discussing them. It's just, I know Rooney's done a little bit, but God, they look awful this year. I, I, I think, surprisingly, they've been looking reasonably good the last few weeks. I've, they've been on TV a lot, um, a lot over the course of the whole season, but especially think, since christmas sort of time. And I've been really impressed by them, especially Kazim Richards, who, let's face it, came in with pretty much yeah. no expectation. And yeah. I think he just adds so much more than just goals. He just seems to yeah. lift every single player he Kazim Richards, who I put down as my surprise player from them because of his age. And I don't... He's when... been a journeyman his whole career. See, I, when... I I didn't put him down as... He was going to be there if I didn't put this player down that I'll say later. But yeah, he he strikes me as an Olivier Giroud striker. Where he doesn't yeah. just add goals. He makes the team play better off him. Yeah. And he gives them a focus. And he's a sort of striker that you instantly notice isn't on the pitch when he's not on the pitch because he means so much to the team. That's... But I, I would agree with what Jake said at the start. They are probably my biggest surprise for where they are in the league and one of the biggest disappointments of the season is it's the been a shame. way they've played. They've got a lot of good young players in that team that I think have got bright futures, but maybe... I don't know what's happened this year, but I mean, they're but, not going to go down. But, but I, do, I do think they've done the right thing in Rooney, hanging up his boots and becoming their manager. I think... That's the right move for them because he knows the squad. He's played with the squad now for about 18 months. And, and you can't build someone... a team going forward around a 35-year-old that's going to retire in a year or two. Exactly. You forget how young, you forget how young Rooney is. He's 33, 34. And also, <laughs> you still can't build a team around that. R R Rooney's 
knowledge of football and his knowledge of that squad that he's been a playing part of now for a little while is invaluable for them because they don't with him they get someone straight away who knows the squad like the back of his hand and don't forget uh, as well he has coached in the academy yeah. so he does know what the strengths yeah. of the younger boys as well and, and he's he's wayne rooney he's gonna have contacts it's like when lampard came in and brought in yeah Al wilson and um, yeah very true the back um tomorrow i mean I, rooney's gonna pretty much have the pick of the english youth players to choose from here so go when they stay up at the end of this year, which I think they will comfortably. Yeah, I, I think they've got too much to go down. Really I wouldn't say comfortably. I think they'll still be in and around it, but I, they'll be six points clearish. Yeah, they're expected points total, which takes into effect XG and for and against. They've currently got them ranked just uh, three places above the relegation zone. So improvement on where they are now. Yeah, so they've yeah, got nearly I'm, a seven points difference from where they are at currently. And, and, so you and, and expect them to improve, but that if, much? I, I think if you're a Derby fan right now watching this Derby team, obviously you you want, you would expect them to be higher in the league, but you'd just be happy with a place in the Championship of the next season currently. Because... I mean, Andrew, what do you make of Kamil Josviak? He came in this year. I've been really impressed. I do think he's he, he he is for someone who's coming from abroad, and this league's different to anything that he would have faced in any other country. I think he's done well. He's I, I would have expected a little bit more from him if you look at they 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 signed him and not very really very many other players. So obviously they looked at him and thought a if we get him assists though. If we get him, maybe he can solve the problem of two players because they've not made many other signings. Mm. So. Well, you'll see I... the strangest rumour that I was on. Uh, who was it reporting it? I can't remember where it was from, but there was one of Man City scouts did an interview and said he was high on his private list. And if he's not in the Premier League in 18 months, he would be very, very surprised because of that type of player. He's just. He nuts. looked really. Yeah, he's got a spark. Yeah, but he's the, one of them electric players like Ben Rama was at Brentford. He the, just get players off their seats. The, the issue, I guess, with him when. Did I just hear he has one goal and two assists? One goal that's, and two assists, yeah, that's, that's the problem. You you sometimes get these sort of creative, fast attacking players. There are quite a few in the championship that are nice to watch. They can do any skill you could ask them for. Really? And they're the sort of player that fans go to games to watch, but they don't actually offer much end, of an end product. But if there's those in front of them, like, if you're putting the ball into Kevin um, Richards... Where Ben Rama was putting it into Watkins, you know, yeah, there's a difference in quality there. Yeah, again, players like that, it could be down to lack of quality ahead of them. It could be down to a, a number of things, a, a little bit of lack of confidence, mm -hmm. stuff like that. But I think, yeah, he's done good considering he came in from abroad and yeah. that comes with a decent settling in period because of how different this league is. Yeah, see, I went the other way around. I went Curtis Davis as my signing and star player. I think, although Derby haven't been amazing, the mm -hmm. when I watch him and he's played, he drags players, especially with such a young squad, yeah. a young core. You need a leader I, like that. I, 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 I've been really impressed with him. I likewise went for a defensive player. He's played holding midfield and he's played centre-half. He's just come back from injury, I think, in uh, 
Bielik. What you were saying about Curtis Davis being a leader, he Bielik seems to show qualities in that department years above his actual age. You yeah. wouldn't. Ex- you would not naturally think a young player like that can come in and make such a difference to a team defensively. But I think he's he's a very talented player who has a future at, at least top end championship, if not the Premier League. Mm. Because yeah, I think he's a really good player. Interesting, interesting. Well, we'll start moving away from the relegation zone now, and we'll look up towards the table. Sheffield Wednesday, who seem to. I've already, they're on their third manager, nearly fourth already of this season, but have picked undefeated in the last four games to drag them clear of the relegation zone on goal difference, currently on 19 points. Another one of them teams that most thought were probably dead and buried until they got their points section halved. Oh, they're just such a strange side. I just don't really know what to make of it. Because if you add the six points back on, they're mid-table-ish, floating in and around, but obviously they've had that in different start, especially with Pulis, who lasted 10 games at best. It's, it's an odd one, aren't they? They're, they're not terrible, <laughs> but they're no, not they're... good either. You know, they fall into that category of Derby of just, they're all right. They're not great. They're not going to set the world alight. They'll just stay in the division. Kind of mm. just sit there. I, I think it probably with them, it was a case of, square pegs round hole sort of thing trying to play a way that their squad doesn't really have the capabilities to do and you look at it and you think you've got one of the best passing midfielders in the league you've got some quick forwards some big forwards why are you trying to play it around the edge of your own box why wouldn't you just get it long in behind and you get a bit more luck that way i think Mm -hmm. now they're going back to basics and they're getting the ball in the box earlier to the likes of patterson who i think has been their star player this season. It's no surprise they're winning more matches. Now they're getting the ball into his head or into his chest because with someone like him, he's a very talented player. Yeah. Well, I don't and... know about you guys, but I watched them against Derby and Derby should have won that game easily, really, if Derby yeah. took the chances. And that worries me. I, I don't think it'll be as as you said, Jake. I don't think it'll be they'll stay safe i uh, i don't if they don't go on a if they don't increase this run or things start getting unrest again i i think they're done for yeah i think a lot stems on the new manager as well yeah because the new manager can come in and have a positive effect which is brilliant which is what they're hoping for or he can come in and have the reverse effect the effect pulis had where he just couldn't get it right couldn't get what he wanted across and that's going to not help. Yeah. Yeah, they're an odd one. Um, again, going back to the ex- expected points, they are currently sat third in the relegation places with Rotherham and then Birmingham City, who we'll bring up later. So yeah. I, I don't, it's just, they're one of them that I think they'll just get away. I think, especially in the championship, where there is worse teams than them yeah. that will go down. Who? Not entirely sure. I've, but... I think they're certainly worse than currently Sheffield Wednesday. I, I, I think it will be very close cut with Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I, I reckon probably looking at three points or less between them and the dreaded dotted line at the end of the season. But I think they will have enough to stay up. Hmm. Yeah. We'll come to you then, James. And who's caught your eye at Sheffield Wednesday? Then? 
it's, it's been an experienced player that catches my eye every time I've watched him for like the last five years. But Barry Bannon. Barry me. Bannon, yep. Yeah, he's he one the... of the most <laughs> famous players in the championship. 100% yeah. agree with that. I mean, he's got I... six goal contributions in a team that are really struggling. From centre midfield, four assists and a couple of goals, which I think are penalties. Really, At least one of them is penalties, because I can remember him scoring one. But I just think he's one of the best passers in, in the game. And if you've got a quick runner behind, then he can put balls on a sixpence just to land just the other side of the defender and you're in. Oh, totally or even, agree. Or even playing balls up to Patterson. I, I just I, think I, they've been completely wrong the way they've been playing. And the minute yeah. they get it right, I just think they'll click. I, I think he's... Yeah, he's a great player. I only put down Patterson because he is... the He's everything that is good about Wednesday in the penalty area. Yeah. And... Uh-huh. I... No, I definitely agree with the Barry Bannon situation. He's been incredible for me. He's currently leader in passes into the final third for this season. He, he's up there in progressive passes. He's up there in ball progression. You know, he's an incredibly talented footballer and certainly, and certainly one that tends to go under the radar quite frequently. I think we'll we'll swiftly move the, through the next couple because we want to get to more towards the top end of the table. But Queen's Park Rangers again seem to be struggling with Warburton at the helm. They did recruit somewhat with the SA money in the summer. So we'll have a look and see how they end up. But person for me this season, right, I will say Samuel, he's just yeah. incredible. He's electric. I... He does everything you want him to do. He beats a man one-on-one. He's up there with the dribble per 90s. I highlighted I... him in the summer. When we did the big champ preview, I highlighted him as he's got Eze shoes to fill. Has he got the end product as much as Eze? He quite, but he's still 21, 22 years old. Big issue they may have this year is his contract. And they still haven't renewed it yet. And the issue they'll have is convincing him to stay. And if they well, can't replace him. Leaving in the summer. I mean, he was in Belgium ready to sign for Bruges. So the fact they've had him for this half a year, I think, is is lucky enough. It's quite evident, I think, that he probably sees his future somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, Watson so, has said in recent weeks that the contract talks are progressing nicely and they're close to an agreement. Whether how much you believe into the what's said in the press is another or question. Just a case of signing a deal so they can get some money for him rather than him walking away for nothing. Which I would probably think more likely. Paul, what, um, who was it? Did it? Uh, Delft did it. I believe. Did it. He didn't tell anyone he was going to do it, so it looked like he snaked people out. Bellingham did it. Bella, I think his was a different case because he'd already signed his professional contract, wasn't it? Just what I hope Elise and Richard no. before they go. Richard's ain't going anywhere, mate. But okay, so, so QPR. Yeah. Come on, boys, what we've got? What have we got with QPR? What, what I got Robbie Dickey, big centre half. Probably shows my position, shows what I like. Have you gone for a single attacking player right now? I think you've gone centre back every single Scott time. Kaskin, thank you. Okay, we're f- we're five teams I, in, and we've had one attacking player from. I <laughs> probably shows my position, shows what I like, but I love a command in centre half. Dicky has gone in. Don't get me wrong with the way Wolverton plays; they're never going to be top of clean sheets. But I think he has been head and shoulders above the rest of that QPR defence. They're quite a young team, to be fair to them. Obviously, the backups not so much, but I do like some of the young players. Who's their left back? It's not Haskellinen, but he's a oh. Finnish left-back. I can't say his name. I'm mm. going to butcher it, but he he's looks all right, to be fair for me. 
few question marks defensively surrounding him, but I think has looked pretty good for his first or second season back at this level after a few I, loan spells away. I, I went like Jake for a winger, not Asai Samuel, someone else who I think is very good for an age considering that as well, is Elias Chair. Mm. I think he's got all the makings of maybe someone who can step up to Asai Samuel's level if Asai Samuel leaves because he's got all the attributes Asai Samuel has, just not quite the same level of end product. Yeah, when we had Dino Marimino on, he said he was the best player he's ever coached and the most technically gifted. Not quite a winger, in my eyes. I think he plays more no, as a turn or I, behind the striker. So, I, I think, yeah. I think he can play anywhere behind the striker, though. I think he can if play right or centre. But the positive for QPR is if you're looking at if Asai Samuel leaves, do we have the sort of players who could step up without having to spend? I think if you look at him with the right coaching and in the right formation, I think you could potentially have mm-hmm. someone who could replace Asai Samuel if he is to go. Yeah. I suppose no one's brought up Chris Willock, to be fair, who was a big summer acquisition from Benfica and was just a really strange transfer that kept, sort of came out of nowhere. But he's not really caught the eye. I do think he's struggled with injuries a bit, to be fair to him, to start the season. So he has struggled breaking into the side. But out on the left, the big promise, wasn't he, at Arsenal's academy back in the day? Yeah. I guess he was probably one of those in the Arsenal academy that got to a certain level where Arsenal didn't think he was good enough, but he was still good enough to make it elsewhere. Yeah. There's there's probably a lot of people in that category. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, we'll swiftly, we'll keep going up the table, then we'll go on to Nottingham Forest now, another one that seems to have stuck in and around the bottom the entire season. Chris Eaton's not quite worked his magic yet, but undefeated in the last five games with two wins and three draws. Is that a sign that Stuart is starting to turn? I I, I do think it is, yeah. Mm. I I think nothing spectacular, but I think a mid-table finish for Forest is what they're probably on track to achieve. Yeah, I think, I, I think a bit lower. I think bottom half. Something like that. In the next year, they could be challenging right up there. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, this that, season for them now is get safe, evaluate the squad, get rid of some players because they've got a lot of players on their books. And then then you look to next yeah. year. I, I think if, I, if I'm a Forest fan, that's what I'm looking to. Yeah. Get safe. Then you look forward to next year. You're very optimistic about next season if you're a Forest supporter right now. Yeah. I think just, yeah, this season, the quicker it's over for Forest fans, the better you can get into the summer and look ahead to next season, which will be a lot more promising. Similar to yeah. in the way Warnock okay. took Middlesbrough last year, got them safe and look at them now. They've looked a lot better this season. Yeah. Than... Yeah, exactly. yeah. And I think you'll probably see Forest doing a similar thing next season. Mm. One player that I've liked this season is Scott McKinnon who came in over from Aberdeen this season. I think he's looked really good. Aerially, very similar to what Andy said earlier, uh, Alfie said earlier. In the air, I think he's a very good centre-half. Not necessarily the best on the ball, but one that would just do a job, and especially as a left, left-sided left centre-half, which seems to be a rarity most most I, most teams. I, I, I think for Forrest, Ryan Yates is a player who has, I think, stood out. I think he's a very good player in defensive midfield, which is where he's been deployed under Hewton. I don't know if that's his position, but he's a yeah defensive midfielder, reasonably young, good on the ball. Yeah, 
good at breaking up. Any, I think he's like early twenties. Good, good, good at breaking up play, which is essentially what a defensive midfielder is there to do. And yeah, yeah. age twenty three, he's had a you, decent season. I can see a lot of like you think of Hutton's previous clubs, the sort of holding midfielders he's had. You can see a lot of image, a lot of similarities between him and uh, the likes of Dale Stevens, who he had at Brighton. Yeah, who were just don't offer you a great deal they just offer you consistency security in midfield which is invaluable yeah he's got a good save on him as well as we found out at the Badeski. yeah I'd, I'd, <laughs> to, uh, go that, that's the problem on the maybe that's something to do with his youth i don't think if, he, if he's a 35 year old seasoned pro whether he's flinging his hand at that i don't think he is I think you'd find most professionals probably would have flung their arm at that. Oh, yeah. Suarez literally did it on the biggest stage of world football to stop yeah. his team and uh, to I, get his team through. I think shows he'd do anything for the shirt. Yeah, well. and I think that's what you want to see. You want to see players. Yes, he overstepped the line, but you want to see that he's committed mm-hmm. to doing everything he can for that club. Yeah, and yeah, it's nice yeah. to see a young player doing well. Yeah, for me, um, I like. Cyrus Christie they brought him in in the summer steadied that right side down don't get me wrong they lost their best player by a mile last season Matty Cash, but, yeah, Matty Cash. but I, I think Cyrus Christie has done enough I, I, don't, I don't think he, you know he's not going to set the world alight like what Matty Cash did but I really like Cyrus Christie he's a good bit of experience at this level he's he's a Hewton player when they didn't have Hewton in charge to sign him. I, I I really like Cyrus Christie. I think he's a good fullback. So Yeah, so do I. And he brings a certain experience to this level. And he's a winner at this level. And definitely you know, get them in your dressing room. Yeah. We'll, we'll I, open this one up with you then, James, for Birmingham. We'll bring we'll move on to them who seem to currently be in free fall with one point in the last six. And it all seems to be going a bit wrong for Karanka right now. What's your what's your thoughts on the start of the season? Where do we see uh, them finishing? It's so difficult because no matter what they seem to do, Birmingham just can't seem to get it right. I thought it was a disappointment <laughs> because I don't think they could have got much better than Karanka with this with, uh, in this division. Yeah, some really good players in terms of you know reasonable names, solid professionals at this level to at least get them to sort of solid mid table and not another relegation battle. But they just seem determined to have to stay up on the last day every year. So at least they keep it interesting for the fans, I guess. But I think they'd rather a more comfortable survival this year as opposed to the last few years. But I just think they're just missing Lukas Jukovic. I mean, he's been their key player the last three or four years. He's only got two goals this year. So, I mean, you know, it's that's not enough for your key striker to score goals. I don't disagree with you on that one. And Scott Hogan's struggled to re hit the form that he did, especially in a Brentford shirt. He seems back. Seems, and then when he first went to Birmingham, we'll come to Elf then. Who we who stood out for you at Birmingham? If any, they have struggled in recent weeks, but there's got to be one on your list. I mean, yeah, it, it was tough to pick out a good player from a poor, very poor. Birmingham side, not just in terms of where they are in the table, but in terms of how they play football. So I've gone with a joint top scorer at the club in um, Harley Dean. 
<laughs> the big centre off. Yeah, I, no, no, well. I'm I'm excited. I am excited um about Jonathan Lecker. I think he's an exciting player. Just hope he can get a bit more game time. And um their new signing, Halovic. Uh, you know, for, formerly on the Barca radar. I'd I'd be intrigued to see what he can do at a club that play like Birmingham, I'm not too sure. But I, I'm intrigued to see him. Yeah, that's the issue. And he clearly really has the talent. Players. Yeah, they yeah. got some really good players like Dan Crowley, who was really good in the Eredivisie. You talk about Palovic, who's been on Barcelona's books. Leco, yeah. who's an exciting player. And they Bella. Just play, oh, oh Kekrin's yeah. there nowadays. But they like, just play such a turgid brand of football. Yeah. Oh, Ivan yeah. Sanchez as well, who I yeah. put down as my star player. He... Is Karenka really? We'll go back to the expected points. Like they are rock bottom of that by comfortable by a comfortable margin, and they're in that bracket of where they're not creating would, enough and not scoring enough. I, I would I would worry if I was a Birmingham fan right now. If you look at some of the teams between you and the relegation zone, yeah, Forest Forest improving, Wednesday improving, Derby slowly but surely improving, and Birmingham getting worse. I think. Mm-hmm you've got to be worried that Forest and Wednesday and Derby could all overtake you in the coming weeks. Yeah, and just, just you're... Them, man. They're an odd side. They've got some really good quality players that we've all gone through, but they are rock bottom currently. I'd, I think their fans deserve a lot more in terms of try, attacking football. Yes, okay, they're staying in games defensively by the skin of their teeth, but they're not offering enough of a threat going forward. No, especially and, with some of the exciting players yeah. they have got further up the pitch. And if, if you go into games and not offering anything going forward and just intent with, oh, if we can keep it nil-nil for as long as we can, maybe we can snatch a set piece or something, that's not a season-long plan. You're going to come unstuck with that. Yeah. And I think that's maybe the case with Birmingham, that there's not enough intent to win in in their squad. Completely I agree. Totally agree. We'll... We'll swiftly move on then to the next team in the table, which is currently occupied by Millwall, who for whatever reason seem to be drawing games left, right and centre this season, with only five wins, six losses, but ten draws at the mid-season point. They do have two games in hand, though, which propel them up to as high as 14th from their current position at 17th. Yeah, um, I think... You know what you're going to get with them. They're a solid yeah. side that will, if they go on a run, they might attack the playoffs. They're not going to get relegated. I think, got... oh, go on, Andy. as Gary Rowett said, sir, I, I think they are one of the, and obviously I know everyone suffers with lack of fans and that's not a card you can play because everyone's in the same boat. But if you look at it, they are one of the clubs, I think probably in the championship will suffer more than most because of what their home ground is like when it is full. Yeah, it is probably the most intimidating, the most, if you ask players at any club, where do you not want to play? Millwall would probably be top of everyone's list and I think not having that fear factor of being able to set the den up like they would Mm. has contributed a lot I think not massively but will obviously be a contributing factor to where they are yeah I think we look at it as if we were looking in January to recruit for them they need a striker they've got they've only scored 18 goals this season which with a strike force of Bodvarsson and is it still there I can't, I can't yeah, and Smith is still there. Yeah, and they got a young guy. Parrot's gone back. He's already gone back. Parrot. 
Has he gone oh, back? Yeah, he, he's getting recorded. I don't think he scored at all, did he? They no, also... Who's that guy from West Brom? Is it Zahor? It he, is I, kind I, of Zahor. Yeah. And they've, got, they've got Tom Bradshaw as well, a decent player at this level. But 18 goals is a concern. So if we're looking at it with a recruitment head on, in January, you're thinking, we need a striker here. We need yeah, someone to spark us. Jed Wallace can't keep Bale in the saddle. Yeah, Jed Wallace. the free kicks. Yeah, he, they, they need someone who they can rely on when they go out on the pitch. A bit like if you look at Norwich, you've got Pookie. If you look at Brentford, you've got Tony. Someone who can go out on the pitch and you know that even if you have a bad day, they're going to score. That's that's the sort of player you'd need, probably, if you're Millwall. And that's their big concern, is their goal. Defensively, you you don't have any qualms about Millwall. They've been solid. They've only conceded 20 this season, yeah. which is, I think, third or fourth in the league table. But it's that going forward. But again, if fans are back in the ground, do we look at that and think, you know, that puts a I fire that, in your belly? I think that helps propel. If they could have fans back in the ground for their next game, I think they could put together a run of five or six consecutive home wins with mm-hmm. a crowd like they have at home. But that's not likely to happen at, at any point in the recent, in the coming weeks or probably for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. So it's... But yeah, I'll put down Cooper for their star player because oh, of their defensive record. And oh, what is I, this? I, I, Are we just going for ex-Reading players? We've had I, bloody I, Cleary, I, Cooper. Playing well. I, 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 I am going to admit. I'm going to admit. When he left Reading, I wasn't really that bothered. I don't think he was that good a player. But he has come on at Millwall and become a very talented centre half. And when you look at what we could have had in him, it is a bit sort of disappointing that we let him go. Yeah. Although at the time, I would have done exactly the same. Now, you bring up some fair points, to be fair, but there's always academy players that fall through the cracks. So we'll come to you now, James, then we'll bring it on to the next team at the table, Mark Robertson's Coventry, who have surprised a few this season. I thought expected numbers did show them massively overperforming last year in League One, and again this season, but may just be a case down to the system they play. They currently sat comfortably in 16th, and probably where they expect to be. What have you made of them this season? I've been really surprised, to be honest. I didn't see a great deal of them last year, but as always, when teams come up, you don't, you know, you always expect them to at least be in the sort of near the bottom, which they sort of are, but they're probably looking up rather than looking over their shoulder. And um, key player wise, it's got to be Gustavo Hamer in, in, in the midfield. I mean, I think he's. Quality, isn't he? Well, yeah, I mean, he was a lot of money as well for a team just come up from League One. Um, Alfie reckoned in the region of four, but Wikipedia says just something above one. But that's still quite a lot for a team that's just come up. I think he's got the most goal contribution to the team, and he's just—he's looked really solid. He's—he's he's taken to the championship like a duck to water. Yeah, no, definitely, I totally agree. We'll rattle through these next couple then, boys. So we'll come to you then, Alfie for Cardiff, who currently, according to XG, are the most unluckiest team in the division. Who instead of sitting fifteenth, should currently be sat fifth in the table according to Info Goals model. What have wow. you made of them, and who are we saying is your star player for this year? Like Cardiff, they are a typical championship team, really. You know, style of play, you get, you know what you're going to get. Um, it's a tough one, star player. It was between two players for me. Um, Sean Morrison, the big centre-half, or Kiefer Moore, the big centre-forward. But I think for what Kiefer Moore has come in and done to that side, I think he is my key player. He's He is incredible. And he's a player, if I could take as a backup to Lucas Jarrett Redding, I would I would happily happily do it. I really like Keith Moore. Good on the ball, good target man, good finisher. 
Mm-hmm. If we I, were looking to recruit in January, what sort of areas do Cardiff need to look at? Obviously, they've cleared the books quite heavily with Harry Wilson and to squeeze his wages under the cap. Do you think there's any areas they could improve on in January? I worry for him. If Kiefer Moore gets injured, I don't see another striker that's going to set the world alight or do what he does. So I'd be looking to get another striker into his in his mould. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll keep, keep going moving forward then. Uh, on to Andy now. We'll hear his thoughts on Luton for this type of the season. They've surprised a lot considering where they were last year. And Nathan Jones has got them playing some good football again where he left them after the jumping ship to Stoke. Who's caught your eye, Andy? And where do you think they might need to look at in January if they want to keep this good form going? I I think for Luton, it's good to see them that they are where they are because I know they struggled for a lot of last season and they had some very horrible matches last year that they wish to forget. And But I think star player for me has to be Dewsbury Hall. He looks like, for someone who is still at the very beginning of his career, a good midfielder, stepped up physically to the championship as well, which when you're young is not always easy because it is a physical league. And I think he just sums up what Luton are about, Mm. getting the ball down, playing. They're not one for hoofing it long. They're very practical. They try to play through the thirds, which is good to see for a team with maybe not the best resources to be playing like that is just refreshing. Yeah, and I 100% agree. I think Drewsbury Hall, I believe my memory serves me right, in the FA Cup when Brentford played, played that pass and he split, I think it was the defensive and the midfield unit with a single pass, it was incredible. But it's nice to see him step up to the physical side of the championship this season because it's quite hard to adapt, especially coming from youth football where you're playing mm. kids your own age, whereas now he's playing up against season pros pretty much 30 40 year old men that have played their entire career that don't care how technically neat you are on the ball so it's impressive to see he's doing well i think we'll cover the next three teams in a similar format where you three will chat through your thoughts we'll move it on to huddersfield now so what we made of their start then oh a little bit disappointed with them early signs when the manager came in i thought they were going to be challenging for playoffs I mean they still could if they get a run together but they're just a bit underwhelming especially when I watched them against Reading they just underwhelmed me a lot but key player's got to be Harry Toffolo I mean he's a class act I think he's got their most assists from memory or joint most he he looked one of the most danger threats for him when we played him and he's just an all-round solid player yeah, no, I totally agree. Is it Cabral? Is the manager, I believe his name is? I've probably, yeah. It is Cabral. Bielsa's ex-assistant, yeah, yeah. Cabral. Yeah. I think they're a work in progress. I think they'll take, they've obviously got the money from the Premier League. I think they need a bit of time to recover, get the big wages off the books that they've brought in, and etc. And I think they'll be okay. They're a solid team. If They, may be, they might be one of them, like Villa did in that season they went up, they make a late assault on the playoffs. But for now, I think it's about solidifying the system, getting the personnel in he wants, and just keep bringing the club forward, I think. I think they're probably in the position they expected to be at the start of the season. So we'll, yeah. as we approach the top 10 now, we move into the top half of the league with Preston, who, 
from a lot of people to a great analysis. I believe it's Ollie from uh, from the Finney does some great analysis pieces on Preston this season and the work they've done and the lack of goal scoring threat they've had. So then to bring a 34, 33-year-old Ched Evans in, especially with the baggage behind him, there's this, a lot of worry in the camp of Preston fans right now, especially with the direction they're going. What have we seen from them, Andy, so far this season and how do we think they could potentially improve themselves this January window? Well, I, I, I would be as disappointed as a lot of Preston fans probably are because I did expect them to be nearer in and around closer to the top six than they are. Again, like with Huddersfield, there's no reason why they can't make that late assault on the playoffs. But unlike Huddersfield, they seem to be going in the opposite direction to Huddersfield. In I don't know what or who is responsible or who decided it was a good idea to bring in Ched Evans. That seems as something that is a little bit ridiculous to me. But I, I, I think as for all their lack of goals, for work rate and just, I think, is what Preston have been all about in recent years, doing the hard hard yards for each other. And I think Barkhausen just sort of, he may not be in among the goals like he always has been, but he, everything they're trying to do, pressing, running for each other, making options when the team has the ball, making runs when they don't have the ball, and yeah, I think he is everything that Preston want to do. And if they want to progress, I think they need an actual goal-scoring striker. Mm-hmm. I know they brought in Ched Evans, but at this level, he's not going to be that. So I think they need a goal-scorer. Yeah, I which agree is... with you. You take away the baggage and look at it in a very black-and-white picture with Ched Evans. He's never played at yeah. this level. He scored three goals, I think, in 20-odd appearances at Fleetwood. What on earth has he been signed for? What does he actually bring in a footballing sense to the table? Ignore the baggage because that will always that comes with him. But then, on a footballing point of view, what does he bring to the table? I don't really know what he brings. If I, if if I'm a Preston fan, I'm sat there looking at that signing and I'm thinking, why or yeah. what, 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 what are we what are we doing? What direction is that signing taking us in? I I I can't answer that question because I myself don't know I'd be really disappointed as a Preston fan seeing a signing like that hmm. right we'll, we'll swiftly move the conversation on to one of my favourite teams this season who have remind me a lot of Brentford three four seasons ago where they can do everything up the pitch but then there are question marks severely over their defensive play and that is Blackburn Rovers James will hear your little piece on them and your thoughts on their start of the season well, it's just been totally unexpected, really, is it? I mean, no one expected the players that they had to go in and do. You know, I think they're the top scorers still in the whole division, which no one would expected Armstrong, who's my star player, to have to have been as clinical as he is. As he is, and then obviously the you're taking a gamble and bringing in Harvey Elliott, and you know the gamble's paying off. Uh, you've got a very experienced manager, Tony Mowbray, who knows mm. knows what you've got to do in this league, and I just think everything's clicking. I think they can really push on, especially with Bradley Dack coming back last couple of weeks. Yeah, you can really push really on the second player. half of the season, and I wouldn't be surprised if they really, really push for those playoffs. Yeah, but I think the biggest question for them is defensively. They have some excellent talent forwards, and to bring Dack into that mix, I think Rothwell in midfield gets overlooked quite a lot for the work he does. But that comes a point where you're too expansive in the similar vein of where we spoke about Rotherham where you open up too much and you focus too much in the final third of the pitch. 
I think that's where the issues come. It's all well and good that you've scored 38 goals, but you've also conceded 27, which is one of the worst records in the league. You know, it's, it works both ways. So, but no, I totally agree with you. Armstrong's been brilliant this season. Him and Tony's race for the golden boot, if you like. Hopefully that keeps as tight as it has been this season. Because I think if them two can push each other all the way, I think we'll see two strikes potentially pushing nearer 30 goals this season. If they keep going in the similar sort of vein. Yeah, maybe three, but we can... <laughs> We're thinking Lucas Shaw's going to join in the mix. We'll get to him in a sec. He's pretty much in the mix. But... <laughs> so we spoke about surprise packages at the bottom end of the table, but then another... T oh, sorry, we're not going to move on to them yet. We've got number 10, Bristol City, who seem to <laughs> have fallen up, fallen off the wagon a little bit after their positive start to the season, where they sat com comfortably in the top six. Has Dean Holden yeah. taken them forward, then? That's the big question at the mid-season point. I think he's done more than what was expected. I don't think anyone expected Holden to come in and to to have pushed. As well. I mean, they've been really hit with injuries really badly this over the course of the season. So when they get fully fit, when they get their full defensive backline back, I think which is a big big um, which will have a big impact. I really would, you know, I reckon they'll be where they are now. To be fair, just between the top six and the top half, but that's where they've been the last three or four years under Johnson. So I yeah. think for a first season with a new manager, I think it's bad going. Yeah, my key player is Dan Bentley, who another player you know very well, Jake. Mm -hmm. But um, it's really interesting stat in that no top half team have faced more shots on target than Bristol City, yeah. but only um, they've conceded less than only two sides above them. So they're not conceding a massive amount, but they're facing an awful lot of shots, and that's mm. presumably down to the man in between the sticks keeping them out. Yeah, Dan Bentley's a very good goalkeeper. I think I mean, against Reading, he was immense. It could yeah. have been five or six in that match. You touched on it briefly with injuries. I think that's their biggest issue that's killing them this season. Is I think at, I think now currently they have at least ten first team players out injured, and not any of them really short term either. I think Alfie Mawson's done his knee. Ryan Sessegnon did his knee. Um, Stephen Sessegnon. Yeah, Stephen Sessegnon, not Ryan. He's out in Hoffenheim, but. Yeah, that's the biggest thing that's crippling them right now. I think if they get bodies fit, potentially, they might make a late assault. But I think they'll be happy where they are currently. Ninth, tenth in the league. Alfie, if we were looking at January-wise, what would we think for Bristol? Where do you think if they were going to invest, <laughs> would they improve the team anywhere? It's a tough one. I, I don't think you would. I think you just want your players back. Invest I, I, in I medical stuff. <laughs> get get some more bodies in the physio room. I mean, maybe a striker potentially score a few more goals because Narky Wells is their top scorer. But I think, well, from memory, he scored four, or five, something like that. Yeah, it's not immense goal scoring, is it? So maybe a striker, but at this level in this financial time. Other than loan, I can't really see anything feasible to improve. Mm -hmm. So if I was them, it's just be get your players back and go from there. Because you look at it, they do have some good forwards from memory, if you can correct me. But Narky Wells, that farmer Day Dehu, who scored the most off the mm -hmm. bench, he's been injured most of the season, so that's why yeah. he's slowly coming back. You've got Vyman, who can play up there. They've got Chris Martin, yeah, who's not empty. But they, they're, they're full good options. Chris Martin was going to be my surprise package of the season. I know he started really well in his combinations with the assists. 
he's tailed off a bit now, but someone that I didn't expect that. He's a good yeah. championship player, but he seemed to fit Bristol well, especially at the age of 32 now, towards the back end of his career. I, I've been impressed by him, not necessarily scoring the goals or doing what's needed of him, but I think he, he fits the system really well of what Holden's trying to play. Yeah. But I think I agree with you. Come January, they just need the bodies back. Get yeah. the first teamers back into the squad. I don't think you'd for the financial time and the money you'd be able to spend, I don't think you'd be able to turn that squad into challenging for automatics playoff. Mm-hmm. If they can run, don't get me wrong, but you know, first season with a new manager, consolidate, evaluate, go go again next year, I think. So we'll move on. We've spoke a lot about the bottom end of the table with surprise packages, but at the top end, we haven't brought them up yet. But Barnsley, who after Struber left early in October, have moved on to Ish... Oh, I can't say his name. Please, someone correct me before I butcher this again. Ish... Oh, James, go on. This is your one to say. I'll let, I'll let you do it. Ishmael, it? Yeah, Ishmael. I can't say his surname, though. I'm just like, <laughs> Andrew? I... I... I thought that was his surname, Ishmael, isn't it? Like Valentin Ishmael Val- or Valentin something like that. Yeah. yeah, we got there. So Valentin Ishmael, as, to be fair to him, the biggest question marks I have over Barnsley is their attacking system. I've watched a lot of video of Ishmael and his former team, especially at LSK over in Austria, and they struggle in the attacking, and they're running very, very hot right now in XG, massively overperforming it in most games. That's the big concern I have with them. You know what you get with a good Barnsley team is they will press high, they'll intently stop you playing out. They saw all the hallmarks of that final game against Brentford of what makes Barnsley Barnsley. But I do have massive concerns about them going forward in the attacking third with the pot shots they take or their wastefulness in possession. I don't think Carly Woodrow is enough to keep them in this position. That being said... They are in a very, very good position right now. And in a much like Huddersfield did in their first season, or in the season they got promoted, where they just scrape into the playoffs. They just get into the playoffs and then go on a bit of a run in the playoffs and not have to score a goal and nick it here or there. And you're in the Premier League then. And you're set for life. I don't think they're good enough for the playoffs. So I don't think that's the ambition at Barnsley, to be honest. I think they're just... Strange, stranger things have happened. If things happen like that of just sneaking in on the final day. But there's just so many teams above them. I mean, what are they now? They're three points, four points from memory? Three points, I think? They are currently, yeah, only three points off, off, uh, yeah, three points off the sixth spot behind Watford. You know, one win, yeah, you know, playoffs is a potential. I don't think it'll happen, but as Jacob said, stranger things have happened in the world of football. Truber things have happened. The, the big problem with Barnsley, I think, is like you talk about Blackburn and Rotherham because they are so expansive and they do commit men forward. You're going to get, like you've seen with Blackburn, who concede almost as many as they score, and you're going to get that imbalance. See, whereas and I don't think that's Barnsley are I think... three, four years down this pathway. They've got the perfect blend of when to press, when to sit, when to go, when to suffocate, I... and they've, they're a bit more versatile than opposite teams. I think Rotherham are a progress, whereas Barnsley are probably the best pressing side in the division. They've been doing it now for the last four or five years in their process, and I really admire them. The one thing yeah. that might kill them is the, it's the schedule. 
but there is not. I don't have an issue with their pressing system. I think the difference between them, Black Blackburn, and Rotherham is Rotherham's a bit more chaotic. It's not quite of if I move here, this player steps in here, protects that. This unit then slides across. Whereas Barnsley is a machine in my eyes. That it's very choreographed, like a dance. I would call it. It's like they know what triggers what. This is how it goes, and that's just a combination of really good coaching. And a system that's been in place now for four or five seasons. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the only side better than them at the press last year was Leeds United, and look it where they finished. Yeah, yeah. There's not there's not necessarily a correlation between being the best pressing side and the best side, as oh, no, we are currently proven. If you, uh, could... you know, in it's... terms of what you were saying about systems and how long they've been doing it for, it's not just this is a freak no. incident. That's so... where I have to disagree with Andy on that one. Of it's not. He... A freak result for them. They are very good um, at it. <laughs> no, I, I, I think they 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 are obviously to be where they are in the league at this stage of the season. They've got to be good at what they're trying to do. But the 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 issue you would have is if because obviously yes they might know what they're going to do and yes they're well drilled in that. But that doesn't take away from the fact that not only do they not have the most the deepest squad or I don't think they've got many very good quality options off the bench beyond their first best starting 11 and as the season goes on unless they address that mm-hmm. injuries are going to kick in you can't keep relying on the same 11 week in week out because oh, that's not sustainable totally and i think I, th- I think lack of numbers is something that's going to affect barnsley unless they add numbers to their squad in the window because oh. you'd be interested I, to I, know to be fair though barnsley have made the most substitutions out of any side this year so Stru- not struber Ishmael has obviously recognised the fact that this pressing system is ridiculous to try and play, especially yeah. on the Tuesday, Saturday. It, it, so he's doing his best to protect the squad. And I just have to disagree with you on this. I think they are so good. Brentford were, if not the best footballing side last season, even probably Leeds were top of them. Brentford were a close second. And they suffocated Brentford. They stopped them playing. They did it with Leeds. They did it with Brom. They stopped these teams playing at the top end of the table and it's now proving dividend this season they've continued that form moving forward that's i just have to disagree with i just think they are so well oiled in their system they've rotated continually well i've got a question for you then if you're the barnsley chairman right now Mm -hmm. you're sat in the league table do you throw some money at it no three players no i don't sacrifice the philosophy for the sake of chasing something because if you throw a ton of money at it and miss out by a point you've then burdened yourself for life but rather than sit there and don't do anything would you throw no a million pounds for two players i wouldn't know i don't think you sacrifice what you've built but then are you not looking at the fact that i know i don't know how big this what is in comparison to the rest of the league but they're, they're they're i don't think they have and obviously he's understanding that they're going to need to do a lot of rotating because you can't press like that without doing that mm-hmm. and do they have the squad size to be able to rotate keep the press as energetic as it needs to be keep playing that way and have the number of players to rotate for the number of games that's the biggest concern yeah. looking at if that's the way they want to play brilliant but if they've not got the size of squad to deal with that that needs to be addressed oh, i 100 agree with you and it's they... the biggest concerns i have with most teams that play in an intense pressing system i don't, I don't disagree with you the, just the biggest difference between barnsley and your common team is barnsley are very very good at it and mm. 
well, but, to be where they are, they have to be. Yeah. They were yeah. they were unfortunate last year to be dragged into a relegation fight. I think if they had gone down, that would have been a travesty because the numbers suggested they were a top-half team or mid-table team at best. So shouldn't have been anywhere near there. And I'm quite they were very fortunate to get that reprieve from Wigan. But I love what they've done this season. They've kept moving in the same direction. They've kept building. And I think they remind me very much of a similar team to Brentford. They have a clear philosophy from top to bottom. And every coach, every manager that's been brought in fits that philosophy. Every player they buy fits that philosophy of what they want. And I think that's the most important thing, is you don't sacrifice what you've built for short-term success. And they'll be better off in three, four years than if they throw money in this January panicking, trying to get players through to get up. Because they're not fear it. They're not I agree. good enough. You don't, have to, you don't have to not spend money. As you say, they recruit very well. They recruit for their style of play. So do you not, of the fear of falling off at the end of the season, like what happened with Leeds for three or four years, do you not spend 500k on a player that has been on your radar and you've searched and you are interested? Do you, do you not spend that money uh, in the position there? It depends on what Where the manager's feeling. If the manager's feeling and they've it ticks all the boxes, then yeah, you would probably go for it. But I don't think there's necessarily... January's a weird window. Well, I think they're in a strong position. Ninth in the league, the way they play, I think, you know, a lot of people, if they came in, you, you, you would consider them. I, it's I, just January's I think... a weird one for windows because a lot of teams panic by... We've seen it with oh, like Peter Rood and Wingy turning up at random places. So, yeah, but I'm not saying you go out and just throw ten million at a player that you weren't even. <laughs> I'm saying if you have some targets that you were going to wait till the summer, do you not maybe throw five hundred grand at it? I don't know. I think it's an interesting one. Yeah. Position they're in. I think this is the strongest position to acquire targets. They've been obviously without financial looking at the financial impact but in terms of where they are in the league what they're doing what they've implemented and their style of play i i, I, I mm. wouldn't surprise me if i saw a couple of additions to that barnes even if there's going to be from a top club mm. there's going to be a lot of players who will look at that barnes squad as well and go do you know what that's the sort of club you want to be involved in they play the right way they I... have this built-in philosophy they're doing well why wouldn't you want to sign for barnsley yeah i mean think about a, a city Academy kids. Oh, what's that? The name of the guy that came on the seventeen-year-old in the cup. Do you not look at that? And if Barnsley come in for you, the style they play, similar to Man City, obviously not so much possession, but press high, win the ball back. You know, I, I, I'd look at the prospect. I don't know what he think about it, but I would. Where Barnsley are in the league, how they play. It's a, certainly interesting one. We'll go to a polar opposite style, and then we'll get James to sum his thoughts up. And then Alf will come to you for seventh in the league to sum up before we go on to the top six. But James, if we thought of Stoke this season, Michael O'Neill's now had just over a year. I think we're finally seeing the Stoke that we should have seen last year, really. I think they finally got a manager in that was making the most of the players he's got. And a, a squad of Stoke's quality should probably even be higher than they are now, but at least they're in the mix of the top six. I think Tyrese Campbell being out for the rest of the season is going to be a big miss. Yeah, mm, that's, that's terrible. When you've got the pulling power that Stoke have, and you've got the, I'm pushing. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you on Stoke. Campbell being injured is a massive miss for them, especially in the manner that he's now out for at least 12 months, potentially with a knee injury. Yeah. But you also be looking at that is he's now going to stay for a few more years. You get him signed onto a massive contract to keep him extended. You know, there's an opportunity here. How many top top flight clubs now are going to look at him and go, oh, we might as well sign him because you don't know what type of play you're going to get from him. So it may, for the future of the football club, play into their hands a little bit in the way of, right, you sign this contract, we'll keep you on the same money, but a bit longer. If you come back and you're on fire, we'll sell you. If not, you've got the security of a big contract behind you. It's a, it's a bit of a win-win for Stoke, if obviously not on the pitch currently. Out of interest, when does his contract run out? Do you know off the I top of I believe it was 2022 or 2023. Oh, so he's still there for quite a while then. A year or two, you ask, is he coming back fresh off a knee injury? You know? Just like for the team, it might be worth looking at getting his contract extended. We did it with Scott Hogan. Look at him, he turned up back up and was incredible. That's correct mm-hmm. myself, Campbell's contract runs out in 2024, so didn't he, he must have recently oh. signed a new one. Okay, yeah, he doesn't need to sign a new one then. Mm-hmm. No, actually, I take that point back. Fair enough. <laughs> I should always check before I start, start spouting rubbish. But he's a good player. Who's been your your standout player for them this season? Because there's quite a few young lads that have come through. That I think you know have been decent this year. Tyrese Campbell. But in terms of my um, sort of under the radar, I've got Jordan Thompson in midfield. Oh, good shout. He's, yeah, he's very good shout. I had him down for that. But he's sort of a player that just goes a bit under the radar. Just yeah. doing the... Doing Dirty work in the midfield, but I thought he looked he looked good against Reading. I think he played the full ninety in the three 0 win against us, and I think he's a player that's got a decent future. He's already a Northern Ireland international, so yeah, I think he's one that's not being spoken about much. But I think he's really key to Michael O'Neill's plans. Mm. I had Harry Souter as mine, the centre half. I also had Harry Souter down. Uh, like Twenty two. He's been decent. To be he clear. looks like an exceptional player. Yeah. He's also mine. Surprise, surprise, another centre-off. Yeah, how many more do we want to go through with you? <laughs> right, we'll let Alfie, you're going to sum us up, Middlesbrough, Mr Warnock himself, give us a few words on how we think they've done this season. Warnock, Warnock, Warnock. You know what you're going to get. You know where you're going to end up near. Uh, got to, I've got to say, I'm a little bit surprised because they were actually quite good to watch when I watched them on the telly. Uh, yeah, but with Warnock, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get defensively sound. And I think it goes to show when my um, three, if you like, standout players for him is De- Dale Fry, centre-half. Dyke Steele, who I, I think he's a great player. And I, th- I believe he's just signed a new contract as well, which is great news for Middlesbrough. And then Pat- Paddy McNair. Ex-Man United and ex-Sunderland. I he's been a revelation this year under Warnock. He, he he's looked, he's looked like the player Man United probably thought they were going to have. He has been a very very good player this year. No, I totally agree with that one. And oh, so if we were looking at this from January point of view, are we thinking they're going to recruit anyone or kind of stick I, out with what you got? I think that comes down to really whether Neil Warnock thinks they need to because if if you're Neil Warnock and if you're Middlesbrough Neil Warnock is you're not going to want you're not going to not listen to what Neil Warnock wants because he could get you into the Premier League and that's brilliant 
if if he thinks they need to recruit, then they will. I I still think they could do with a little bit more sort of creativity in midfield. They they they're scoring goals, they're creating chances, but you can never score too many goals. And especially looks at the goal records of some of the teams in the top six. If they want to be matching with that, then maybe they need a little bit more in the final third. But if Warnock thinks they're fine, then they're going to listen to him and they're not going to push him to sign anyone. It's going to be a case of whatever Warnock wants, Warnock's going to get. And I definitely agree with the Warnock statement, Andrew. Like if he if he's looking for a certain type of player that fits his mould, I definitely think they'll recruit some in January. But it depends what he feels needs, the side needs. But as we go from the rest of the league now, we'll go into the top six and those that currently occupy the playoff places with sixth position and Watford currently. With a Premier League squad, many for more to come from them this season, but a bit of a slow start and already on their second manager. So probably expecting another two to come through the door already this year. So we'll come to Andy first. What's our thoughts on Watford? How do we think we've done this season? I I think that they are... They're not setting the world light like I think they should with a squad they've got. But to be in and around the top six, you can't really argue with that. That's what they wanted. I think they should be scoring more goals. They should be winning games more comfortably than 1-0 or 2-1. But I'd be happy if I was a Watford fan with where they are. But I think there is still a lot more they're capable of. And that only sets them in good stead if this is where they are when they're not really, I don't think, at the peak of their power at the moment. No, I think if... yeah, I agree with you on that one. It's a bit odd, isn't it? Like a lot of teams we've seen it come down before have struggled to go mm. straight back up, but we currently have all of the bottom three occupying the top six from last year. So there's one area I did want to focus on is obviously their defence has been one of the staples this season, but someone like Ben Foster currently is top for goals conceded from outside the edge of the area, which is just a bit worrying for a goalkeeper that. He's making some excellent saves, don't get me wrong, this season. And we've seen him bail them out quite a few times. But to breach that continually from outside the edge, did that not raise some concerns, Alfie, for later in the season that might come back and bite them? I mean, I still believe that Foster is the best keeper in the league. I, 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 I don't know whether he's unsighted. Or I, have, I haven't watched many Watford games and... But he is a solid, solid keeper, and a lot of Premier League sides would even take him. So I, I, I'm not too worried about that stat. I'm, I'd be more worried if they were spilled through his hand, or you know, not even diving for him, or um, making mistakes like a um, a Reading keeper that we may come on to later. <laughs> but yeah, no, I still think he's the best keeper in the league. So I, I'm not. I wouldn't be too worried if I was a Watford fan. When we get on to Bournemouth later, I'll bring up Begovic because I think he probably pips out and there's probably two or three above him that could probably take that crown right now. I think you've seen it with Foster, that lob from 25 yards, the one where he kicked it into the legs of Campbell. You know, just little mistakes that, that happen as a goalkeeper. You're always going to get exploited, but not necessarily enough for me to take the top crown. We'll come to you now, James, then. From watching Watford and looking over their players, who have you seen as like their star player this season? Well, um, funnily enough, I had actually had Ben Foster as my pick for my star player. <laughs> Only Swansea have conceded less goals in the, in the championship. But I just wanted to have a brief mention for João Pedro because 
I know he's dropped off a bit over recent, but I thought the first few weeks of the season he really lit it up for for Watford. And um, when they're on TV a lot, when they just came down, he was a standout for me. I know he's young and he's maybe just not quite in form at the minute, but I think there is a real player in there. Yeah, I was going to say someone that's only scored five goals this season in a pretty dire Watford attack. If we're being honest, if you look at what Deeney and Gray have managed to contribute to that front three, front two, that there are concerns there. So. Pedro's probably the best of a bad bunch right now. But from memory, isn't he the top goal scorer? Uh, João Pedro. Yeah. yeah. I, believe, I believe he is so far. I mean, at 19 years old in the championship, that's not bad going, is it? Not bad. Yeah, no, five goals in a maiden season. This so-so, <laughs> considering you look where Tony is. or someone he'll, get you off, he'll get you off your seat, though, which is what people want to go and watch football I, for. I know they can't physically go and watch them, but you can watch it on the telly. And he's what? a player that you, you would want to go and watch. And mm. for someone so young, he's definitely got a bright future ahead of him. I, I think the worry for Watford is that, yes, they're very good defensively, but I don't see that they with the attacking quality they've got, the quality of the attackers they have available. You think of Saar, you think of Dini, who's been a seasoned professional at this level before. But there's not enough goals in that team for that quality of player, which would be a concern. If I was a Watford fan, looking at the quality and then seeing the goal output, I don't think the two match up, necessarily. Yeah, you can definitely see the comparison between them and the top six. Watford have the lowest goals out of anyone in the top six with 25, with Swansea then second with 27 goals. But every other team is in the high 30s, mid 30s at that point. And you're looking at Watford and thinking, how long can they keep this go run going and keep one or two points here and there? Mm. You, you know... There are cause for concerns, but they have now got a new manager in. Someone that players, and I think Foster covered it on his YouTube channel, wants players to be expressive, wants them to take a risk, wants them to be more expansive. So I think they're a bit unfair to judge right now because they're a team in transition again. But I think they'll definitely be up there coming in 46 games. No doubt, because just purely on quality of squad, they are probably the second, third best team in the league on paper. I think we'll move on now to you, your guys' favourite teams and we'll bring in Reading, who seem to be the fanalytic enemy right now with defying all odds and expectations with the current stats. I know we've discussed it quite frequently on here and I'm quite big on Reading. I like the process of Paramovic. But is it enough for a top six finish come to the end of the year? We'll come to you first, Alf, on this one. I mean... Considering where we've been the last couple of years, I don't care if people are annoyed at us saying we're going to fail because right now, you know, considering we we're in transition and he took over a week before our first league game, where we're sat in the league table now is it's dreamland really when you consider where we were and what we've been doing for the last couple of years. Ah, do do I do I agree with the stats? I'm not so sure I agree. I, I I like watching teams and if teams excite me and the way Redden are playing, there is an identity there right now. There's a defensive identity and there's an attacking identity. And if I think that's the process. If you merge them together, mm-hmm. then we'll be a good side. But you saw in the first eight games where we had the best defence in the league, in, in all the, the top four leagues in England, that the defensive identity was there. Now we're scoring more goals and creating more chances, but we're now conceding more. So it's about finding that balance. But 
you know, where we are in the league, it's just dreamland right now. So I'm not going to knock the team at all. I don't necessarily agree with the whole point of transition. Like, I think I've covered it quite a bit in the summer. The Paunovic plays a very, very similar system to Bowie. They are both stylistically quite you quite similar to each other. That four-two-three-one, and build it through the wide areas, roll them in off the wings, if and then get the fullbacks out wide. I mean, they're quite similar in that sense. So I don't think it's a case of a transition. I just think you've got players like and I'll come on to him now. Elise, who was stormed onto the scene this season, Lucas Zhao, who's performing beyond wherever he has done before in his championship career. I think you're just finding players that they paid quite big money for in a while ago, like Hironukos, he was seven and a half million. Yijal, that was potentially rising to five million, now starting to perform to a level where they should have been. And I think it's a culmination of Reading have a decent squad. And mm. I think, I believe, who was it? There's another football analyst on Twitter, that's the handle, I believe. He covered it perfectly. It was like, we're finally seeing a squad that spent a lot of money on it performing to the level we expected it to be and don't i wouldn't call them a surprise package you might disagree as reading fans as because they've obviously been in a relegation fight for several seasons but a lot of investment has gone into that team and that team is now playing to the level you would expect it to be from my view that being said do i think it's sustainable not really I think Reading will tail off. I don't think they'll finish top six this season. But it's a process. If you ask them in two, three years' time and Reading are competing at the top again, you'd like to think that's going well for them. And it keeps moving in the right direction. It's going away from the last four or five years, which beyond Yapstown's playoff run, has been quite turgid and pretty terrible to watch. We'll come to you, Andy, on this one then. For Reading star player, there's quite a few contenders... I can imagine. I I think, yeah, I think there's three or four that have played really well this season and who I think probably all deserve equal amounts of credit. But if I had to single any one player out, I think it would have to be Laurent in midfield, I think, to come up from League One, to come up from the level of League One where Shrewsbury were, bottom half, fighting to stay in League One. And to come into Reading and do what he's done and look like he's been a championship player for years mm. is, I think, credit to the staff that are coaching him. I think is also credit to him as a player and maybe credit to the system he's been put in with having Rinomota sat next to him at times holding his hand when he needs it. I think that helps him. And I think he probably has been our best player this season. He's not, he doesn't get the credit because he's not a goal scorer. He does a lot of the work that fans don't notice. A lot of the ugly side of the game, I suppose you'd call it. But I think, yeah, he's a very good player. And for me, he's been player of the season up till now. That's interesting. He's one of them. You look statistically at him and he didn't look anything special, if I'm being honest. I looked, it was a bit of a punt for a free signing, but he stepped up to this level. And to be fair, him and Renamota have looked really, really good. He's a solid pairing. What's your thoughts on Reading then, James? Just staying awfully quiet for for Reading. Yeah, I'm just uh, just enjoying the ride. It's uh, it's unusual to be in such a high position, and obviously coming comes with that is is other teams looking at your players, and obviously we've a lot of rumours about Elise and, and Richards, who have been a key part of this team, both leaving. But 
yeah, I'm just sitting here just just enjoying it, to be honest. If we get top six, we get top six. That wasn't the expectation coming into the season. We can kind of try and fly under the radar. It would be less less easy to do that than it was in the first half of the year. But we're up there now. Let's just give it a good bash. I mean, we've got players coming back from injury. So we can finally fill out a proper squad rather than having to fill it in with, with youngsters and, and unproven players. But if we can keep Zhao fit, I think that's the key is if Zhao fits, there's no re- is fit, there's no reason why we can't stay top six. If that he doesn't play fit, oh, then it could be a different it could be a different story unless we find someone who can adequately replace yeah. That was going to tie into my next question of then January. Obviously Lucas Zhao has made up nearly forty percent of all Reading goals this season. Who would you look for in January to potentially replace him off the top of your head? Obviously, Brexit has screwed over a lot of teams currently. To be honest, <laughs> I'd be looking to replace Yao. I think with the likes of um, Mace can play up front, with, with the likes of um, Puskas coming back as well. And we have in the past few weeks played a false nine, which hasn't looked terrible against the best teams. For me, I'd look more so at left back. I think, I think we're now resigned to losing Richards, unfortunately for nothing by the looks of it. So we've really got to try and because he's the only left back we've got in the squad in the club, other than young Ethan Bristow who's not been played. So I think a new first team left back has to be brought in the club either now or the end of the year. And then it depends what happens with Elise. If if we could sell him for the big money that we expect that we we should be able to get for him, then we can really invest, you know, wisely with the money we've got. If it's true and there's this release clause for what seven or eight million that the Sky are, are, are suggesting. Then it's going to be more difficult, but um, yeah, for me, I I wouldn't, I don't think I'd go out to to spend the big bucks because we haven't, you know, we're still under FFP issues, so we haven't got the big money to spend really on replacing Zhao. We've just got to hope that he stays fit and hope that other players can step up to the plate in the running and and do a job if he's not around. Yeah, in a similar situation as to what Alfie said with Barnsley, if you look at that as the owner, and Dai Young has put a lot of cash behind Reading. Do you not look at this and think this is probably the best chance we've got in a long time to probably get a top six performance? Do you think he might throw the cash behind it a bit off and go out and get a few more players just to bolt this squad up? No, I can't see it. Not with FFP restrictions. Uh, I know that COVID has given clubs a little bit of a a relax on the strict um, financial regulations, but you know, as as you said earlier. This is a squad that's not come together cheaply if you look at the forward line. If we do lose Zhao or Elise, there is Puskas behind who's reported to be a £7 million player. Or a Luko who, I mean, we brought for a bit too much money, but, you know, a £7 million player. Uh, Ajaria, a £3 million player. You know, is... I can't see it happening. Especially with the quality of youth players that we do have coming through. Like, don't get me wrong, we, we don't have an option at left-back, but our Ben um, Ben Gibson, on loan from Everton, was a fantastic option there, played really well, then got an injury six weeks out. McIntyre, a young centre-half, goes in and fills at left-back as a man-of-the-match performance, you know? We are very strong in the, our defensive numbers through the academy. And in our creative midfielders. That, that's where none of the money was spent. I mean, yeah. our whole back line cost one million quid between it. Exactly. That's probably one of the standout. I know we've conceded a lot, but that's because we tend to 
we conceded a lot in one game as opposed to consistently mm. conceding yeah. a lot of goals. But I was going to bring that up. But no, I Rafael was going to get brought up because currently you have conceded nearly 10 more than Bournemouth have, conceded nearly 7 more than Brentford have, conceded 11 more than Watford have. Is this leakiness going to cost you in the end? And Raphael, despite for all his qualities this season, I think he's got the high, one of the highest save percentages in the mm. entire of the championship. But, but then you take that two games game. in Bournemouth and the Coventry game, there's the seven goals extra that we've conceded compared to Brentford. Mm-hmm. It's, it's big score lines that have hurt that record. It's no. not, you know, it's not like we're conceding two every game. It's we're either conceding one or none or four or three. There's no in-between, unfortunately. Huddersfield went up with a minus goal difference. So points and it's irrelevant. I mean, let's face it, if we do go up, we will be the Huddersfield of this year. We're not one of the big guns that's expected to be up there. It will be unexpected and there's no, you know, goal difference. If you're scoring enough points, then it's irrelevant, isn't it? Really? Mm -hmm. Well, we'll move this conversation on into the next team in the top six. We're going to Brentford now and we're Currently on us, it was 16, 15, 16 games undefeated across all competitions until Tottenham dumped us out of the cup. But that's another question for another day. We've looked good. I think we have looked consistent and that is something that's changed. We've only lost three games this season, which is considering where we were a few years ago. It's bloody good. Our defence has really stepped up in recent weeks despite the constant rotations and fitness concerns we've had for a lot of players. I just, you look at it, and I'll come to you lot as an outside point of view. I just think Brentford are just different this year. We're no longer that electric team that people feared with BMW last year because they were just incredible. I think we are a bit more methodical, a bit more work it around, take your time, slow it down. We don't press as intently as we have in recent years. We've slowed that down. And I think that's the biggest difference this year between Brentford. But it's been more effective. We've won our last three. We've not lost in nearly ten, since October. At the end of October, we lost Stoke. And we're making that assault and gradually climbing up towards the top two, which is the end on the end of this year. But we'll come to Andy on this one. What's your thoughts on Brentford? Who stood out for you when watching? Um, do you think I, summer or the January will be for recruiting a few more? I think you've you've hit the nail on the head perfectly with Brentford, a, a different team to what they were last year. Because what they are is they're a team that I would fear because there's goals all over the pitch. They've got some fantastic forwards. They've got height from set pieces. So they possess an aerial threat from corners and wide free kicks you can whip into the box. They're a they're a team that can not only break a team down that sits behind the ball, but they can play an open game with the best in the league. If if you want to go expansive against Brentford, like Norwich, and commit your fullbacks forward, then they can take you in a game like that as well, because they've got the ability to do that themselves. I, I do think they are, an, for me, a nail on for at least the top six. Where in the top six, I don't know, but I can't see them being anywhere below sixth place. I think for them, it's just about when the playoffs come around, if that is their end goal, when the playoffs come around, it's about what your form is like going into that, because that makes a big difference. They're in great form now, 
And if they're in this sort of 15 games unbeaten when the playoffs come around, no reason they can't win them and go up. But the issue they had last year, when they had a very good season, is that towards the end, their form wasn't perhaps the best. No, we definitely they, not and, stumbled towards the end, but I mean, the issue and, was is we'd gone eight games unbeaten, or one eight in a row to even get in touching distance. Yeah. So they miss out so cruelly, you know? It's, it, was, it works both ways. It, it was a case of you don't want to be stumbling over the line into the playoffs, so to speak, like they maybe were last year with... I know they fought tooth and nail to even get into that position, but it's... You, you want to be going in in the sort of form that Fulham were going in and yeah. where they'd won five or six matches at the end of the season. Everything was clicking. And if you go in like that, I think Brentford... I think Brentford, if they end up in the playoffs, I think they have a very good chance of winning it because I don't think... With, with, the, with the assumption that Norwich will be one of the top two, the only, the only member of the current top six I think would beat Brentford would be Norwich. And assuming they're going to be in the top two, if Brentford can make the playoffs, I think they'll win them. So mm. it's just about staying up there, getting good form and hoping Norwich get in the top two. Because I think if they do and they Norwich avoid the playoffs, then Brentford will win them and go up. So very... You say that because when we played Bournemouth, they were very, very good for 35, 40 minutes. They dominated us. We didn't really have an answer to them. And then I think second half, we grew into the game a lot more. I mean, we got towards them, but I think Bournemouth are shooing for me that I think they're another one of them guaranteed top six teams. They looked incredibly good. Yeah, they are. But they're not consistently good, as you've just pointed out there. They blew you away for the first half. And you came back into the game in the second half and you would have fancied... I mean, you did fancy yourself, obviously. You won the game. It's the same with Reading. We absolutely blew them away the first half. They come out and score four goals in the second half, you know. But consistency is key. That's why I would back Brantford over Bournemouth. Mm -hmm. Who stood out for you then, boys, from the Brantford squad? Because I'm I'm more biased in this one, but we'll get a few names from you guys. (sighs) If, if, If I had to pick a name, I of someone who has stood out for me, I think David Rea would be one because I know he got criticised in the playoffs last season for the error he made that put Fulham ahead. And I know he's not had it it easy because of that. That can't have been, he he can't have been coming into the season with much confidence after that. And the way that he's played this season, I mean, he's an outstanding goalkeeper. Let's, let's not beat around the bush there, but he's, he's just, a new level beyond where I think he was last season in terms of his coolness on the ball reminds me a bit of Allison and Edison and Neuer and the like. And yeah, I think in him, they've got one of the top goalkeepers in the league. So for me, it's um, two that have gone slightly under the radar, uh, Rico Henry and Josh Silva. I've both been really impressed with. Rico Henry stood out to me when he played for Walsall, Dean Smith and Reading beat him 4-0 in the FA Cup, but I thought he was a real talent and a very strong attacking left-back then, and I think he's gone from strength to strength. And um, De Silva's another one that just gets on with the job. Doesn't tend to get many plaudits from uh, the outside, from how <laughs> Brentford people think about him. But, but it doesn't seem to be, you know, talked about much on Sky. But I he just got think... loved on Sky for their top yeah, goal, which... I was going to say. Well, was a full 15 <laughs> minutes about him. Two players <laughs> under the radar, and they're probably the most biggest standout players other than Tony. Well, they're not Tony and Buemo. It's interesting you bring to Silver up because he's been odd this season. He's not been himself. Like last year, he was 
tearing teams apart in the final third was brilliant. But with Norgard being injured, he's kind of had to drop in alongside, you know, and play as a second pivot, which is... So then we've gone, instead of a one and a two, we've gone more two and a one, which is, I think, restricted him a lot this year. And I know he, he had a really good game against Newcastle in the Cup and was pretty decent against Spurs as well. But I think that he's just had to drop deeper, so he's not affecting the game 10, 15 yards higher than he was last year, which was where he's so dangerous. He's brilliant where he overlaps the fullback and gets in and... We saw it against Newcastle. That was probably a textbook to silver performance, and that's the nearest I think this season he's come to his best. I don't think he's been as good, but then also he's not scoring as much, and he scored some incredible fluky goals. Well, not fluky goals, but low chance, low probability goals last year. So there's always going to be that drop off. But yeah, it's interesting that from the outside you think he's probably been our best player when. For Brentford fans, especially, I look it's got to be Ivan Tony. I can't look past him. He's saying Tony. Yeah, but it's got to be Ivan Tony. The way he's come in and fitted seamlessly into that side, it's got to be Ivan Tony for me. I was a big fan of him. I was such a big fan of his when we played Peterborough in a pre-season friendly, and we went and watched. I was so impressed with him, and I wanted Reading to sign him. To be honest, he was absolutely class. And I'm not surprised with how well he's done at Brentford. But yeah. even saying that, you know, he's a, a level above where I thought he was going to be. I thought he'd be on about 10 goals. But to be on P-top score in the league, you know, he, he's he been their best player for me. I enjoy watching him as well. Yeah, he's he's an exceptional talent. I just think, I don't know, I, I would say he's probably been their best player. But to avoid all of us saying Tony, I thought, <laughs> I'd, I thought I'd throw in someone else. Yeah, I think Rover Analytics did a good thread. He's not had as many goal scoring chances in recent weeks. I think he's had like six or seven shots in the last three, four games, which isn't a lot. Next week. Yeah, for a striker. But then you think someone like Thanos has upped his game. Um, and Buemo has got a brace recently. Front three's clicking and starting to get into gear now and work its way out. But we could talk about Brentford and Reading, to be fair, to death. But we've got another three teams to cover, so we'll move on to them. Well, I know we touched on Bournemouth's a bit of inconsistencies a minute ago. But they currently only lost one game in six, currently on exactly the same record as Brentford, with also the game in hand as well. With But above Brentford on goal difference currently. Justin Tindall came in, as Jason Tindall came in after Eddie Howe decided to depart. They've kind of it where they expect again probably we're hoping to be top two by now but on the cusp of it two points off you can't be too disappointed if you're a Bournemouth fan right now can you I mean win your game in hand and you're all second so yeah you know as a Bournemouth fan you would have expected this I think there's no other way for it they probably on paper have the strongest starting 11 in the league um, some of their players are absolute quality I mean, Dominic Solanke's what, a £25 million man? You know, probably hasn't done as much as I thought he would do in the championship. But, you know, that's the way it goes sometimes, isn't it, for strikers? Yeah, it swings and roundabouts. One player for me, though, Asmir Begovic, who, according to XG, has prevented over seven goals already this season for Bournemouth. And he went on that miracle run before playing Brentford where they hadn't conceded in seven or eight games beforehand. And they were the first two goals he conceded in a long while. I think he is bailing them out big time right now in front of a really strong defence with Jack Stacey included in that. That's 
I think that's the difference. I think well, Bournemouth might creak into them top two spots come the end of the year. Begovic is a step above. I love how Andy compared Raya to Neuer and stuff. But I think Begovic has been massively overlooked this year for his importance to that Bournemouth team. You've got to bear in mind, they've, they've got the third best defence in the top six and only conceded 18 goals in 22, which is an incredibly impressive number. And I think... And Begovic has stood out for me and some of the saves he made against Brentford until we breached him was just world class. Oh yeah, some of the saves he made against Redden as well. Keeping his team in it. And I I guess that's what's invaluable when you're in in and around the top six. You look at some of the goalkeepers that are playing for the top six six sides currently. And that, that is what gets you in the top six. That's what keeps you there. The sort of goalkeepers that Watford have, that Brentford have, that Reading have. Yeah. The goalkeepers that can pull out the sort of camera saves, if you like, but can also do the basics very well. The catching from corners, the kicking the ball to a teammate rather than to an opposition player and yeah. things like that. And I think what Bournemouth have is not only a very well-rounded keeper and a defence that I think everyone, most people would envy, but some very good attacking players like David Definitely. Brooks, for example. He's... He's for me probably their star player. He's he's it's just rumored to be moving on to Arsenal allegedly come the end of the year or come the end of January. I I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal were linked with him. He's the sort of player who I think could play at that level. He he's a very talent. He's I know we say this about a lot of players, but I think he is too good for the championship. I think I'm, I'm surprised he stayed when they came down. I thought he'd have moved on in the summer after their relegation, but he hasn't, and he hasn't let that affect him. He's mm. played as if he's not concerned about what club he plays for. He just wants to do the best he can, which yeah. is I don't, you don't always get with some players. Obviously, we look at Bournemouth compared to their financial prowess compared to most of the Championship, and they've already proven once before where they just blew FFP out of the water in order to get promoted. If we're looking at in January, would you throw the bucket of it again? Or would you just maybe one or two or none at all and keep going in a similar sort of vein? Not with their squad. I don't think you need to. I, yeah, again, I, I second that. I don't think you need to. I think you've just got to ride it out, carry on playing how you are, and you'll be in the top two at the end of the season without a doubt. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. If you've got a target that you're looking at and is available, go for it. But unless... You are a hundred percent set on him. I don't think you need. Yeah, I don't think there's anywhere in that squad that I think needs strengthening. So, I think no. the issue is we're going to see it a lot this January with Brexit causing issues, because obviously a lot of teams are going to try and adapt to these new work permit regulations. I don't think we'll necessarily see as much recruitment as we have previously seen in January, because a lot of teams are going to be trying to work out and see who they actually can buy. Because you think someone, a lot of players in the championship probably won't qualify for a work permit, especially with the finances involved in the deal. So I think it will either go one or two ways, in my opinion. I think we'll either see a raid on the lower divisions, someone like Brandon Cooper that's already been recalled from League Two back into the into the championship now to play as backup, or it will be a complete just no, nothing I don't think we'll see anything or movement because play, they just don't really know what's going on I know we have the tribunal this this window but I don't know if it will necessarily work for every team but we'll see 
I know we've touched on Swansea, I've just mentioned it there with Brandon Cooper coming back in. They're a team that, after the playoff semi-final defeat last year, I know there was a lot of pessimism amongst Swansea fans about the team being dissembled and Brewster going back, Huey not potentially coming back to the side. They've defied odds this season and currently sit second in the league, albeit with a game in hand over those below them and only two points clear, so potentially could lose that spot come the end of next match day week. But they've been a good side. I think Steve Cooper's done a fabulous job with that team. I like and I can't praise them enough. They were good against us in the playoffs. They were really good and unfortunate, just getting it out in the end against us. But they've taken it up a notch again this year. They've done really, really well to continue going in the similar sort of vein where they were last year. Yeah. I, th- I think, for me, they're probably the my the team that I would give the most praise to in the entire division. Because I think to do what they did after what after like you said, their team could have been easily dissembled and they could have felt sorry for themselves, they couldn't get their low knees back and they could have dropped off. But watching them against Red in the other day, when they were on TV, they play some lovely football. They they play football the way it should be played. Full backs high. Overlapping centre backs at times they did against Reading because they dropped off so deep and how they didn't win that game, I'm sure their fans still can't work that out. But, yeah, they, they, they'll be there or thereabouts at the end of the season. Top six for me, I think, alongside Bournemouth and Brentford and Norwich, they're probably the top six nailed on. Yeah, um, I've, loved, I've loved watching Swansea this year, to be fair, echoing, echoing your thoughts. And they're, they're, when you look through their team, it's not a team full of superstars, really, other than Andre Ayew. They're, they're just, you know, run-of-the-mill. Connor Roberts is great at this level. I mean, who'd have thought Jake Bidwell, going from QPR, who've been struggling the last few years, would would just suddenly go straight into a team right at the top? But he's, I think he's got the most assists in the team, which from from a left back ain't bad going. But obviously, Bidwell's someone you knew well well at Brentford. But I just wouldn't have expected him and you know that collection of players to have done so well. But hats off to him because they've done brilliantly. Yeah, what worries me about Swansea? probably more than Mo, other than Watford, is if Jamal Lowe suddenly goes, well, not goes back, but doesn't start hitting the target as much and scoring as many goals, other than Ayu, I don't really see who else can take the load off, especially now they've lost Morgan Gibbs-White, who's gone back to Wolves, they recalled him. Um, Maybe if I was a Swansea director or a chairman, I'd, that's probably the area I'd look to strengthen, yeah, I think. Look, someone like IU's got eight goals this season. Jamal Lowe's on the same, but a lot of them have come in the last four or five match days where he scored a brace against Watford, a brace against Cardiff. Yeah. I, I do I, understand the concerns there. There's probably that drop-off from the attacking side of it. Yeah, that's the only area. Like, when you look at the other top six sides, other than, obviously, Watford, who don't really score a lot of goals, you do have a standout goal scorer in that side. You got Tony, Zhao, um, uh, Solanke, and Pukki. You don't see that at Swansea. If mm-hmm. it's it's either Ayu or Low, and if one of them goes, then teams will probably mark the other one out the game, kind of thing. Yeah. So that's the only area of concern I'd have about Swansea. But they are a lovely side, play lovely football, and that will mm-hmm. stand in good stead. 
I do like Steve Cooper. You, you raised an interesting point about goal scoring. Ayu only has one less goal than Solanke, but I'm not entirely sure on Bournemouth's spread of goals because I think theirs is a lot more spread out than, to be fair, than most yes, other teams. They, yeah, theirs is. I so think there you stat- go. Someone like Solanke has only um, contributes 24% of all of Bournemouth's goals, where someone like Armstrong is 42%, Tony's 44%, Zhao is 38%, Pookie's 35%. So. And then IU is 30% of all Where you have Solanke, Sturridge, um, Josh King. You know, mm-hmm. they're three class strikers that would get into most other championship sites. No, I don't so, Yeah, I'm not surprised Bournemouth is more spread out. That's the big thing. I think 60% of all goals from Swansea have come from IU or Lowe this season. And Lowe yeah. scored five, six in his last five to six appearances. Yeah, that's the only uh, thing that would worry me. But but, no, I, yeah, but I, they do play lovely football. I, I think for Swansea, yes, they don't have the spread of goals and maybe they don't have the list of goal scorers the other top six clubs have. But when you defend the way they do, when you have the defensive record they do, when you've got the defensive setup they do, they probably only need to score one goal in most games because the way they defend, they're going to keep a hell of a lot of clean sheets. They already have, and I'm sure they'll continue to do that. And so they're probably the sort of team that will nick a lot of games 1-0 because they're probably the best, well, they're under, I think for a fact, they are the best defensive side in the division. At the moment, and, yes. <laughs> and, and I think that might be their plan, sort of. If we can keep ourselves in the game, then we, we dominate the ball 99 times out of 100 and we're going to create chances and all we need is one goal if we back ourselves to defend. I think that Reading game think... highlighted that issues with the attack. Unfortunately, yeah, of, for as solid as they were, they couldn't find the net for the life of them. I know they should have probably scored one or two, and Raphael made probably some yeah. wonder saves in that. Yeah, well, that, 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 that's the chances the they missed uh, were criminal, really. Yeah, when like, the chances you miss like, nine times out of ten, you play if they play out a game like they did against Reading, they'd come out winning. It's just Reading earn a bit of luck. Swansea missed a fair few chances. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those you're going to get those throughout the season. Every club gets them where you do everything you can and then you still don't win. Mm. That is. I totally agree. I think we'll go on to the top of the tree now and we'll close this up with our last team. Norwich are an interesting one who kept hold of Daniel Farker despite relegation last season and continue where they left off in the championship last time where they currently sit comfortably at the top with a six-point lead to date from the third position. But they do obviously have gaming hands because of the fixture schedule and all that jazz. I'll come to James to open up on this one. Meeting expectations or do we expect them to run away with it now? Yeah, this is probably the least surprising um, kind of finish out of all the teams. I fully expected Norwich to go straight back up. The way they managed to maintain the squad pretty much that got them up in the first place they kind of kept other than obviously um people like lewis they, they managed to more or less keep the squad and just with the same management same style just put them back out on the pitch and you know what a surprise they're still better than most of the teams in the division and um they've done really well to be fair with all the injuries they've had to still be you know comfortably clear at the top and when those players do come back then i think the rest of the league are in trouble when they are at fully at full fitness because they haven't been the last few weeks and they've still comfortably beaten most teams but yeah i fully expect them to win the league quite comfortably come the end of the season 
and I totally agree the, the fact they managed to keep hold of some of them players like Bumeda, Amrins it's just incredible to see them keep going and I think yeah. they're looking at it again in the five year plan I know we chatted about it previously of what happens if the five year plan goes wrong well they're currently executing it to a T they can get back into the Premier League and keep their philosophy and keep building I think they'll be a team that we might see solidify their place in the Premier League not before too long I do think they're um, resigned to losing Buendia now though but I mean the fact they had him for as long as they did I think was criminal really and that no one came in earlier he's been an absolute joy to watch when he when he's been in the championship and he fully deserves his move to you know a high level but how they reinvest that I think is then going to be key how do you replace someone like Buendia Mm. where is he alleged to be going right now Arsenal favourites I saw I did see that as well I, I think step up and a half I think what you what you have to praise Norwich for is that they didn't that they have stuck to their principles because they could easily and it would have been you wouldn't have really mo- moaned at them or thought they'd done the wrong thing if they'd abandoned shit with Farker at the end of the season and they deserve what they're getting now for sticking with him mm-hmm. because yeah. to, to have that faith in a manager who Let's be honest, I know their squad wasn't great, but they did, even with the squad they had, they under they would have disappointed last year with how easily and how much of a whimper they went down with. And I think to stick with him took a lot of backbone and soul-searching, I would yeah. imagine. And they deserve what they're getting now for doing that. That's, I think it reminds that... me a bit of the Burnley situation when they came down and stuck with Daesh. I think Stuart Webb's an incredibly smart man. It's built an incredibly good system there at, at Norwich. So I would have highly, if it would have been a massive surprise, in my opinion, if they had sacked him, just considering they had let them go all the way down before even doing anything. Yeah. Keep going, Andy. Even with that in mind, you still got to think it would have been a surprise, but the way they went down and nine clubs out of ten, if they went down like that, would get rid of their manager. I mean, you look at Watford, they went down, sacked their manager. Bournemouth did the same. Well, not sacked, but he walked away. So it's not very often you see a club go down and keep the manager that sent them down. So fair play to Norwich for doing that because they deserve this now because they made that decision. I think, yeah, I think we'll probably see them stretch out in front a little bit more. Personally, I think they'll be the ones that will set the pace. And if anyone can catch them, I'd be thoroughly surprised. We'll come happy to wrap it up for you. Star player on the on the Norwich side for you, and we'll, we've gone Bidada. We've covered him, so I'm expecting another centre half considering the, the theme we've no, for the rest of the I, time. No, I've gone with Todd Cantwell. Ooh. I really like Todd Cantwell. I think he's a class player, and I mean to replace Madison the way they did with him for coming through their academy I mean I think he's going to go strength to strength and obviously I do expect Norwich to go up to the Premier League this year but if they do come back down I think he'll be the one this time that would then leave because I think he is he's a Premier League player in a pretty much Premier League side playing in the championship right now and when he came on against Reading for the second half he changed the game he changed the way they played and he was incredible. Do we not and, look at his stats though for the season with only one goal and an assist to name? Yeah, but 12 appearances. 
and he's finding form and you know I, the Norwich style of play is more than just about goals and assists I think that's why he stood out to me when he came on he changed the game with his movement and his one twos and his quick passing and his energy at the press and I think he epitomised what Norwich were trying to do that day. That's mm-hmm. that's, that's what I went for him. Yeah, perfect. And Colin James, I know we said we'll finish it with Alf, but we'll hear from you lastly. What about Norwich? Yep, go on then. We'll close it out. Who are we saying? Oh, I went for Buendia, but I also think special mention must go to Grant Hanley uh, in defence because he wasn't particularly key the first time they went up. He played a bit last year, but now this year... He's probably first choice along, alongside Ben Gibson when he's back from injury. And I just think he's been a key, key part of both going for, um, providing a threat going forwards and being defensively strong with Norwich. You know, everyone gives Pookie, Buendia, Campwell praise, but defensively, him and, you know, and Tim Krul and goal, they're, they're a solid outfit all over the pitch. And I think Grant Hanley to have come back, despite being at the club for three or four years, to now finally force his way into first choice defence, I think, you know, good on him for his attitude. Yeah, I like that. that's a nice left-field pick, to be fair, to finish it up with. I think we'll leave it there, boys. This one is a mammoth episode. I think we're just just shy of the two-hour mark for this one. So uh, <laughs> we've got a bit overboard, but hopefully we've gone into a bit of detail. You enjoy the listen. Um, all I can say is I hope you had a good Christmas and New Year, and we'll on to the next one. Thank you and goodbye.